1: Yep, this all new service hub from HubSpot brings customer service and support together in one simple but powerful platform so you can deliver the best experience possible. And of course, it's powered by AI, not Al, AI, meaning your team can automate those tedious tickets from people who've clearly not read your frequently asked questions. Pain in the backside, aren't they? Oh, and by the way, organisations using HubSpot Service Hub are resolving tickets 13 times faster, helping them to close 42% more tickets per day. That means increasing retention by more than 80%. Thank you, people at HubSpot who who did the maths on that one, because I wouldn't be able to.
0: I love a bit of data. Did you also know, Al, that it consolidates your entire internal knowledge base into one place? So no matter who is working on support, they'll have the answers at their fingertips.
1: I did know that because I wrote that for you
0: you. Well, there you have it. Stand out from the crowd and migrate to HubSpot Service Hub today.
1: Visit HubSpot.com service and learn how this all new solution can help you deliver for your customers. So basically, high pay means that you can kind of treat your guys like whatever you want, like in suits or billions or all those sort of um, sort of dramas. Thoughts? Lovely Leah. <laughs>
0: Hello and welcome to the Truth, Lies and Workplace Culture podcast brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. My name is Leanne, I'm a business psychologist.
1: My name is Al, I'm a business owner.
0: And we are here to help you simplify the science of people and create amazing workplace cultures.
1: So this is week two of us being in Sicily, the temperature's dropped a bit, it's only about sort of, say it's only, it's only like 34 at the moment, which is, but it was 42, 43, 44 last week pretty unbearable wasn't it Lee?
0: It wasn't pleasant it wasn't but like you say it's um it's okay now it's a cool 35.
1: (laughs) So talking of summer and summer weather then these are slightly lighter episodes of the next four weeks because if you're anything like us you're probably going to be relaxing a bit probably taking it a bit easy in August Um, as Leanne always talks massively about uh, downtime and how important that is don't you love?
0: Yeah and I think August typically is when people will take some downtime, especially be with kids, you know, the kids are off, it's time for holidays. Um, but I think even, you know, just, just because so many people are perhaps not in work in August, everyone just kind of feels to be on a bit of a slower, slower vibe. Um, so yeah, we didn't want to bring you anything too heavy. If you're listening to this on your morning walk, if you're on the beach, if you're by the pool, uh, wherever you holiday, um, we didn't want to kind of lecture you in this time.
1: Yeah. And if you are somewhere on holiday or even just you're not on holiday staycation, then uh, why don't you send us a picture? We're on, are we on Instagram, Lee? Yeah. Yeah. So truth lies work on Instagram uh, or just go to LinkedIn and you can send us a message there if you want. I don't know, would it would be weird to post a picture of someone on the holidays on LinkedIn. I think that might Maybe. be
0: Maybe. And my Instagram's a good show. Yeah.
1: Go to Instagram. Okay. So today we're going to tackle a number of lies about workplace culture. Now we're saying number because we'll just see how long we've got because we want to keep this sort of around about forty minutes I think so um uh, so we might we might not get through them all but this is me putting Leanne to the test Leanne's had a quick scan at these but I've only just shown her the list and then just whipped it away so that uh, <laughs> so we could get her her natural reaction to this so shall we start with line number one and that is that creating a good workplace culture is either a fad or it's for the woke thoughts
0: well. In terms of fad, I think it is having a moment, workplace culture. I think the conversation is definitely louder and more frequent now than it ever has been before. Uh, Thank goodness. Uh, When I started in this game 15 years ago, workplace culture wasn't talked about very much. So is it a fad? I'm not sure it's a fad. I think maybe awareness has been building and now it is recognized as something that is important in organizational life and business performance. So I don't think it's a, a fad, but I think it's definitely a, a trend at the moment that, that we're hearing a lot about. So yeah, maybe. What was your other one? Is it woke? Well, a culture is a culture is a culture. You know, your your organizational culture might be woke. Your organizational culture may be very competitive. Your organizational culture might be somewhere in the middle. Your organizational culture may be purpose-led. Um there are many different cultures. So some are woke and some are not. So yeah, so is it woke maybe, but you'll probably have a better idea of that than I would.
1: I think what's interesting is that we are talking about the Gen Z. We talk we talk about generations weird because that's another thing that we didn't really we didn't really talk about generations maybe 15 20 years ago. There was no like, oh, he's a boomer. I think it must be uh, maybe it's TikTok that's brought out this whole okay boomer thing and then everyone else has jumped on it. But because we are talking about the new generation Gen Z and they have very different values to boomers, Gen X, and even millennials. And so perhaps it's not a question of it's woke or it's a fad, it's a question of something that's quite new because this generation is demanding, literally demanding a better workplace culture.
0: Yeah. And I think it's kind of like, do you know, I guess it's like people saying, oh, well, why do we have vaccines? We didn't have vaccines in the 17th century. It's like, well, we lived until we were about 50 <laughs> in the 17th century. And it's a similar thing now, you know, workplace culture may not have been much of a thing in the in the 70s and 80s. But you think about the context of that at the time, there was still massive, you know, baby boomers. I think it was Carrie Cardinale on our Gen, Gen episode says something like baby boomers were the pioneers of purpose you know they were the people that campaigned for workplace rights for equal rights for women in the workplace for people of color the mental health act first came out in the 1980s that would have been campaigned by people in the probably from the late 60s and 70s you know you think about the 60s like you know sex drugs and rock and roll 60s and 70s they were outrageous the boomers in their time that's just what youth culture is they invented youth culture and i think it's no different now i think the only difference perhaps is that we are planning to work much longer because we are staying healthier for longer. Therefore, we will be working more than likely into our 70s and potentially even our 80s. So that kind of work fast and hard, retire at 55 to 65 and then enjoy retirement. So what is it the retirement age in the UK is now? 67? Something like
1: that, yes. And that
0: public sector that would be the earliest that you can retire to get your your state pension. So I think it really is a case of regardless of, you know, whatever place they're coming from, I guess my arguments would be one – It's a continuous evolution of the evolution of work we've seen since the 1970s where these major legislations started to come in. Pretty sure that the parents of of the 20-year-olds in the 1970s when workplace rights for women were coming in were considered very woke, if that would probably didn't exist. Bob very cover cool, groovy. Was that the word, Al? You know, you were sure. there.
1: I, <laughs> I was there for three years in <laughs> the seventies, and, uh, and two of those I was crapping myself. I think because I was a baby, not because I had problems.
0: Yeah. So yeah, I think it's an evolution. I think I think the Gen Zs are just picking up what the boomers started probably let's be honest before them i think when we talked about our health and safety that was kind of the early 1900s wasn't it that those laws start to come in so really it's just a continuous evolution of of the workplace we've seen over the last 100 years, and perhaps also a little sprinkle of economic uncertainty that the millennials and Z have experienced much more than the boomer generation did. The lack of security in jobs is a big issue as well. And the fact that we're going to be working longer, so we can't afford to burn out. Uh, we need to be keeping ourselves happy and healthy, physically and mentally in our jobs, to continue to, to have um, a, a living wage. So, yeah, I think it's it's just working working smarter.
1: And that all makes sense because let's be honest, the majority, if you talk about a generational gap of two or three generations, then it's there's always been the older generation and the younger generation don't know they're born. And our grandparents, I remember my grandparents saying, oh, you got it so easy now, you've got this and you've got that. But actually, I'm sure that their grandparents are saying, it's so easy now you've got electricity in your home. You've got running water in your home. So there's always going to be that generational thing. I saw something which will make you laugh the other day. um, And it was an article on how uh, Gen Z, I don't understand the memes of Gen Alpha. Because Jen Alpha are now sharing memes, obviously.
0: Oh, that brings me so much joy.
1: I know. I, I, I thought you'd like that. It made me, made me laugh because I'm just thinking, ha ha, there we go. The gens says that I see the memes and go, I don't have a freaking clue what so this is So what means. are the memes of the Alpha? Apparently there's something to do with a talking toilet and they take the, there's this toilet, and you can superimpose. Maybe it's a Snapchat filter. Maybe there's a new Snapchat that the Gen Alphas are using that we don't know anything about. Um, and uh, and what you can do apparently is you can sort of like I think you film yourself, and then you superimpose on top of a toilet, and then you the toilet basically speaks. And the, the Gen oh. yeah the Gen Zs are going, what the hell are you talking about? I just don't get it. And I thought mm-hmm. that is sweet. Poetic justice.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you might not remember people talking about generations. I mean, because you're you're what do they what do they call you Al well, the 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 lost generation, the quiet generation, <laughs> Gen X's. Although I have seen more TikToks popping up on that as well, actually, that are really funny. They're basically like like the reason that you don't fuck with a Gen X is because we will fuck you up. Like it's really aggressive and quite satisfying. It's kind of like we had to do our homework with a pen and paper. We did. You know, kind of thing. On um, the bus. On the bus yeah <laughs> yeah. we only had one phone um
1: <laughs> and you could, and you had to get off the phone if somewhere if you want to go on the internet you had to go for the phone <laughs> anyway it's about TCO, I had a tcp point. handshake uh, did you have a point or oh yeah you really? oh yeah, no, yeah i did i okay. did there
0: it is i found it <laughs> um so yeah you might not remember about generations but i remember people losing their shit about millennials being entitled and privileged and who the hell do you think you are um just because we we kind of you know, wanted something. We want to be treated without being sexually harassed. And it was like, who do you think you are? And I was like, well, it's an adult in a workplace. Is that okay? So um, yeah, anyway.
1: So when I was putting this episode together, I was just Googling like, what do people not really believe about workplace culture? So these are less about lies, more about myths. But to stay on brand with truth lies, I've called them lies. Okay, on to lie number two, which is nobody cares about a rough workplace if you get good money. Mm. so basically high pay means that you can kind of treat your guys like whatever you want like in suits or billions or all those sort of um sort of dramas thoughts lovely Leah
0: I think there's two things here I think there are many people who have and would happily work in a very toxic or competitive environment for a short period of time for a high level of pay. And that's why we see jobs that would have a very high turnover, but people might enjoy them for a certain period of time. Recruitment sales springs to mind.
1: Oil rigs, perhaps?
0: Yeah, oil rigs is very well compensated. That's more because of the health and safety issues. Because you might there's, there's a chance that you will actually die.
1: In terms of workplace culture, being swept out of sea is kind of high up there in the in the sort of like things you don't really want your workplace culture to be known for.
0: That would be an interesting. I bet actually that the majority of, of gas and oil companies actually have very good workplace cultures because that psychological safety needs to be so high so that these mistakes and near misses are reported it is that matter of life and death that'd be an interesting case today actually oh,
1: i know someone called campbell who does recruitment for and hr for oil rigs in aberdeen
0: oh cool We're gonna
1: get in touch with him and see if we can get someone on the on the pod
0: yeah let's do cool. that
1: if you're listening campbell get in touch been a while <laughs>
0: So yeah, short term, I think so. And I think there is an element of people, particularly younger people who want a who want that money for a short term financial goal, like saving up for a deposit to get your first house. There, there is an argument that's how you could structure your business. You can pay very well, expect to have a high turnover and plan for that and manage that, knowing that you've got this continuous churn of young, ambitious, hungry talent who want to who are willing to make these sacrifices um to get that financial reward. So short term, yeah. Long term Mm, I think maybe there's a difference between a toxic culture and a competitive culture. I think even the most, you know, competitive wolf of Wall Street cultures. You look at that, you know, that movie. There's actually a huge sense of belonging in mm. that organisation, a huge sense of camaraderie and relationships and 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 resources in, in terms of of people knew exactly what their role was, exactly what target they had to achieve, and exactly what means they had to do it. So actually, it, it can it can look at quite from the outside quite an aggressive culture competitive culture that doesn't necessarily mean that the people within it are well suited to that environment and actually supporting all the ways that they need to be um you know even look at your main boss guy how many times was he like kissing people and hugging people when they did a good job and giving lots of, of recognition and huge rewards so I think there's a difference between toxicity and competitiveness in a culture So in that scenario, and if the person is well-suited, I think the fact is, what was your original lie? That culture doesn't matter as long as people are being well-paid? My argument would be that actually that having that competitive type culture, that winning type culture is actually a very effective culture if you're recruiting the right people with the right mentality into it. I think from a psychology perspective, the, the problem with toxic workplace cultures, even if they are very highly compensated, is that without meaning, without purpose, without a sense of belonging, we feel hugely lacking in terms of our own well being and our own sense of fulfillment. And that can sound fluffy, but what that basically means is if we're missing that, it's like we're missing food or we're missing water. Like we can survive, but we're not performing optimally, and we're not our best. We can all get by, and you know, a couple of days on on a few hours sleep, but we do that for for too long, and you know, our cognitive functioning starts to be affected, and our performance and our behavior starts to be affected. Our mood does, um, how we nurture our relationships, how we engage with other things outside of work, and that's the same thing in a toxic work environment. Over time, it's going to really deplete every other resource that we have to live a rounded and balanced life. And I think in that point, that's when you get to to periods of burnout and how many even anecdotally have you heard of people who've had these incredibly successful high-flying roles in huge corporate companies where they're doing very very well for themselves and burnout at 40 and usually end up writing a book maybe going to some kind of mental health or well-being profession or a keynote speaker because it's just not sustainable um so yeah so I think it's not necessarily a lie I think you need to be careful on how you're defining culture, whether it is actually a toxic culture or a winning culture. Those two things are very different. And I think really we're just talking about longevity in terms of sustainability, in terms of resilience, how long people can last.
1: I like hearing, I like hearing when you say things like this because even in like outside of work, you have a very balanced idea of things and you very rarely will say, X is really bad and Y is really good. You'll go, I can see the pros, I can see the cons, I can see, you know, you look at, you're very good at that. And it, this is great because if someone does have a very competitive, like we have a good friend who's in recruitment, um, and and she almost thrives for that competitive environment, but then you take someone in the who's who's like, you know, the same person, but they've got the same place, but... There's people stealing deals from underneath you, or there's always the risk that if you don't get this, don't hit your targets, you'll be fired by Friday. You know that's a different thing. There's competitive, and there's just knobheads. And <laughs> I think that's <laughs> that's basically what we're trying to avoid. I think is that on on the knobhead to competitive scale. Yes, it's fine to be competitive as long as as long as everyone really enjoys it and everyone enjoys the competitiveness.
0: Yeah and I think this is why you know often when we talk about culture we talk about teams in businesses we'll often draw on analogies from sports there is nothing more competitive than than elite sports name a sport it's so competitive whether it's individual whether it's team you know people are fiercely fiercely competitive Yet there are rules and there's transparency and there is regulation and there are standards that need to be upheld. Those standards and regulation don't exist in workplace culture, in businesses, if they did. And, you know, there are there are some, but if it did to that extent, we wouldn't see toxic places. We probably wouldn't see much burnout and we'd probably see a much healthy and happier workforce in society. So that is where I think sports is a really good analogy to draw on I think often maybe one that might be misunderstood from business owners perhaps in that well if you know if they can maintain that level of performance why can't you in a business um it's, it's a bit more nuanced than that isn't it um so yeah psychology you call it balanced it's it's just that it depends The <laughs> psychologist it depends
1: I love it I love it so number three now this one's a bit of a contentious one because I genuinely don't know whether it is a lie or whether there's some truth within it. So let's ask you, Lee. Okay. If you recruit the right people, then culture will take care of itself.
0: Ooh. If you recruit the right people, then culture will take care of itself.
1: Let's just put it in some kind of scientific box. So we'll say you do nothing else apart from you get really good at recruiting the right people.
0: I think there is an element of truth to this. Because my beef, which I've talked about before on this podcast and other podcasts as well, is often businesses that will invest so little in a robust science-led recruitment process. Because if we get that right, it can solve a lot of problems from even even happening. So I think there is definitely an element of truth. I think the only thing would be is to recruit the right people. How do you know you're recruiting the right people?
1: I don't know. And and the reason I'm pausing is that this was one of the things that I saw on quite a few forums going, if I recruit the right people, will will culture take care of itself? And so people, there was lots of different answers to it. So I'm going to assume that they are, this that the fictitious person, in my example, is good at recruiting. They're recruiting people and they're trying their best to find the people who are best suited for the job. But once they're recruited, they don't run engagement surveys. They're not that fussed about psychological say, you know, they don't like... Try and put things in place for psychological safety. Uh, very much is you're you're left to do your own thing. But if you get the right people and you're matching it to the way that you want to run the cult, your company, the culture you already have. You talk about culture match sometimes, culture fit. I think is the term you use. Then if you recruit for that, is that is that does that solve the problem?
0: I think it's like a chicken and egg argument. Because to know who you want to recruit, you have to either know the culture that you have or the culture that you want. Mm. Because culture is behavior. It's culture, the behaviors that we want to see within our business. Behaviors are linked to how we treat each other. It's linked to how we perform. It's, It's linked to everything. Everything is behavior. That's, you know, action equals outcome. So I think it is that chicken and egg where if you know the person you want to recruit and why, and why in terms of their competence for the job, and the ad that they bring to your culture we're not necessarily looking for people exactly like us we need diversity of thought but culture ad would that take care of itself probably largely yeah because it's intentional the fact is that you are you are approaching your recruitment process in a way that is intentional in terms of what your your culture is or at the very least the desired behaviors that you want to see in your organization and as we know my favorite definition of culture is, is culture is defined by the worst behaviors tolerated. So I think if we look at it like that, yeah, probably largely it would be, but it's, it's intentional and it's continuous. Is it going to eliminate all problems? No. Is it a good first step in kind of creating that foundation and that culture? Yeah, probably. And that's also probably as well why we see in much smaller organizations you know, people don't really start to be an issue until they start to hit kind of 12, 13, maybe 15, certainly when they hit that tipping point of 20. But we start to see those issues at the point where people start to, those groups start to separate. It's no longer one group. It's 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 There's too many people, so therefore people have to be two groups. There was somebody, might have been Simon Sinek, who said something like, a team is too big if you can't share one pizza or something, or yeah. two pizzas? Yeah, it was
1: Simon Sinek, or it might have been, it might have been Jeff Bezos, it was someone... Yeah. Yeah, um, so let me just let me just talk to you about that for a second, because this is really, really interesting. I, I like it when you've got kind of a little bit of a rule of something. So you say, if you've got 10 people, if you've got seven, the seventh person you're going to recruit, is you're going to start seeing problems. That's where I kind of like go, oh, okay, I like these sort of rules. So if you, if there's six slices of pizza... And I know I'm being a little bit nerdy here, but the six slices of pizza, then are we saying that when you get sort of seven or eight, that's when you start might seeing some problems. When you get to 12, you're almost certainly going to see some problems. When you get to 20, there's going to be problems. Is that, is it, I mean, I know you can't say for every company, but is that generally the trend, do you think?
0: Yeah, I think I might have miscorrected. Maybe it was two pizzas because I think right. it is 12 seems to be that number of consensus right, okay. that, that we start to see that kind of tension building. It's quite simply because you know twelve is a is quite a big number. You can't. If again, if we think about that very simple definition of culture, it's the worst behaviors tolerated. If you suddenly have eleven people that you need to oversee, you're not going to be as involved with them every day to see firsthand their behaviors. You're going to have to trust other people to police those behaviors, whether that be on a peer-to-peer basis or a manager to an employee basis. So I think yeah, twelve is where it will start to start to get tension. And I think that you know the if you're a business that doesn't really have much intention of of kind of scaling indefinitely, then keep it small. <laughs> really keep it small. You know, if you can keep your team to kind of five or six people, you probably won't ever have to really invest in in culture because it will be much more organic and it'll be much more um, owned collectively that's where I think recruitment is gonna be much more important and it will be about recruiting the right people into the team for culture to take care of itself um so yeah I think I think there is actually an element of truth in that
1: this is strange because I quite these magic numbers of like three is the magic number and all that 12 there are you know on a clock there's 12 numbers in a year there's 12 months uh 12 disciples I mean, are we talking about? (laughs) All right,
0: (laughs) that's where he started to have problems. He recruited that twelve disciple, and he was (laughs) (laughs) fucked.
1: Was it the twelve or was it the thirteen? And it was thirteen, including him. And so the thirteen would be Judas. So that's basically. This is interesting. How we got to the workplace (laughs) culture of the disciples. That's. um, I think that feels like a very niche blog article (laughs) we can create. But but I think but this is so interesting. I think this is so cool that anyone listening can go right. All I need to know, all I need to worry about, is twelve. If I want to keep, if I want to keep a small team, I don't really, don't want to bring in Leanne to do culture. I don't want to have to deal with any issues. I'll just stick to around about twelve. Once I get to my thirteenth, my fourteenth, my fifteenth, that's where I'm going to start seeing problems because the teams will separate out. One or two will people want to manage. You will need managers. Is that is that about right?
0: Yeah, I think typically that is true. And particularly if you're not losing staff, you know, if you're, if you're struggling to get up to 12 because people are leaving, then you've got a problem somewhere. Yeah, exactly. It's you. If you're if you're keeping hold of people and you're building your team nicely up to 8, 9, 10, 11 people, you probably don't. Work with a really good recruiter, work with a really good kind of HR consultant for that, that more kind of transactional legal aspect of people still be really important that you need to manage. Um, but yeah, in terms of people in culture, probably not
1: really. I love it. I love it. There's a great book called The Company of One by, I think it's Paul Jarvis. And it's so interesting because he talks all about the idea that most people who start a business go, I, in fact, it's weird. Whenever you, I don't think it happens anymore because I haven't met anyone for about 10 years because I've lived abroad and a hermit. But when you used to go to a network event, people go, oh, right, so what do you do? And how many people work for you? And that was the second question you always get. And you, and I always felt really embarrassed like um, three because I did, I hated Recruiting, I was no good at it, and this is before, obviously, you know, I met Leanne, um, and um, and so I never really wanted more, and I always felt like I was I was losing out, like I was never going to make it because I didn't want more than three or four people. If you're listening to this and you feel the same, go and get Company of One by Paul Jarvis. It might not be Paul Jarvis, but certainly search for Company of One on, on Kindle. Download it, you will love it. It's such a relaxed, laid back book and it basically gives you permission just to keep a company very, very small of just one person if you want or up to 12. But you don't have to be big to be boss. There you go, that's, that's a t-shirt for you right there, isn't it? <laughs> Anything else? Shall I move on to our myth or line number three? Go for it. So line number three is that workplace culture doesn't work if you're fully remote or a hybrid. That's bullshit. Right, okay. Number four... <laughs> Next question. Well, t- tell us then, because I think a lot of people worry. and I know we've had clients who go, I want everyone back in the office because I want to develop my work, our workplace culture. I want to mm-hmm. develop our culture. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying, if I've understood this, is that it doesn't matter where they work. You could possibly never have met them in, in in person or they could be in the office two days a week or they could be in the office five days a week. But culture is the same. For You still do the same things? Well, talk me through it.
0: I think there's maybe three, three arguments I can think of maybe that that might explain why I think this is bullshit. I think the first is maybe kind of the precedent set. Is that the right word?
1: Yeah, I think so. Precedent. 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 Yeah. President. Precedent. President Trump. Yes. Precedent. Yes, you're using it
0: right. <laughs> the precedent set by large organisations, the rise of digital intimacy that we've seen generally across generations over the past. I don't know, fifteen years. When's the internet? How long have the internet been here? Probably twenty years. And the third one is leadership. So, big organizations. Now, this this is what confuses me, right? Because what you're saying is a is a an organization, a large organization, bringing your teams back into the office because you can't create culture or nurture culture without doing that. If you're talking about teams of thousands of people. What are your leaders and managers doing on a daily basis to engage even in person to person with those tens of hundreds of thousands of people? Like that's not just how it, that just doesn't work like that. It's like having managers and we've had it for decades. Managers in area management roles, national management roles, country management roles, they don't see, have eyes on their staff all the time. That's dependent on the relationships they have with, with their direct reports that those direct reports have with their teams that their those teams and, and so on that's why we have this hierarchy because we need that structure or until arguably we needed that structure to build the relationships that we need to engage people and get them working and performing to the the level that we needed them to so not having eyes on people I think it's bullshit for large organisations especially because you've not had eyes on your people for a long long time. So the the, the steam of um, Amazon, you know, sitting in there in their rooms and deciding together over, what was it, over multiple occasions of that article we we quoted on the news roundup means you have multiple occasions to say that that's not how you create culture. Those senior leaders have have no intention of going face-to-face on boots on the ground and meeting all 10,000 of the employees in the organization. It's bullshit, which is why I I have beef with that. Smaller organizations, I think it's just a lack of control. I think it's, and this is where it kind of comes into leadership. What we're finding is really interesting with the the massive increase of research we saw during and post-pandemic about leadership in hybrid and remote environments. What all the research is showing us so far is that effective leadership is defined by the same constructs, the same behaviors in every context, whether it's on site, in the office, remote, hybrid, there is no difference. The only difference is the intention to which those behaviors are enacted, the frequency that those behaviors are enacted, and I guess that the, the capability of the leader in acting those behaviors. So basically, covid And remote work, completely exposed bad leaders and lazy leaders. Great leaders didn't have a fucking problem during COVID. They were fine. They were great. And we're finding that as well as the research goes on, as I said, that actually great leadership is is great leadership. Is it a bit more time intensive? Sure. Should actually that have been the case for the past number of decades anyway that there is a proportion a chunk of chunky proportion of your time as a leader and manager carved out for managing and leading your people sure that's in the job title so i think really it's just it's just refocus what our managers and leaders should be doing and how they should be behaving to motivate and engage and inspire their teams um so yeah and i think where we're seeing with smaller organizations they perhaps particularly owner lad, if they haven't come from a leadership background, if they haven't come from a team management background, if they haven't come from a people and culture or HR background, they maybe haven't developed these competencies to the level that they need them to. Those that are d- dog. Working on that leadership development, I think, are having a much easier time with it. So then, yes, we've got that leadership thing. We're looking at bigger organizations. So we're, we're panicking and we're pulling people, everyone back in because if Meta and Google and Amazon are doing it, then surely that's the right thing to do. A lot of psychologists are starting to lose faith in the best practice of these big tech companies because it's just not best practice anymore. So there are two, I say the bigger companies, the leadership and the final one, the rise of digital intimacy. How many times have you heard about your friends meeting online, falling in love and building these amazing connections or having best friends? You know, the younger generations that have been gaming for the past 15 years have got a circle of friends online. There are so many ways for us to connect without being in person. And I think we've all experienced to some extent that that sense of connection, especially during COVID. We all had a time where, yes, we were craving that face-to-face, but imagine if we didn't have the technology that we had during the pandemic. Imagine imagine how hard that would have been and how much that would have affected our mental health and our well-being, Because and it didn't to that extent because the vast, vast majority of us are able to engage in digital intimacy and build these relationships. Personally, as well, in my experience, I have recruited and managed a remote team that spanned three four continents um, and we had a great workplace culture and they all said that we had a great workplace culture that that nurtured well-being um and you never so, met yeah. any of them I met <coughs> one of them I met one of them when we were in Sydney that was it um but just once for about half an hour I went for a coffee
1: I love this and I think I think what's funny is that you, you're quite right digital intimacy uh technology the advantage of technology I mean we're this time last year, there was, there was I'm sure ChatGPT existed, but it certainly wasn't out for the general public. We can now, we've got now artificial intelligence machines, yet we still, probably it's just me, the X's and the millennials. Whenever you get on a Zoom call, the first thing you always say is, can you hear me? And it's like we've moved on so far, but that's the first thing we still say. So hopefully we'll move, move away from that. Okay, that was really, really good. I like that. I like that a lot. There's also a term which I think I've heard you use, which is servant leadership or servitude leadership. Servant
0: leadership.
1: Yeah. Servant leadership. And that's that basically summed up, I think, a lot of what you were saying. Whereas, it, you know, those people who want to be the boss because they sit in the corner office and everyone looks at them and they and they storm out and go, Nigel, get Tokyo on the phone for me. Um, as opposed to the bosses who actually just want their employees to have the world's best day by providing all the resources that they need and giving them all the space they need to create.
0: Yeah, I think as well if we look at the, you know the personality of of people that are likely to be entrepreneurs or or own a business they're probably much more likely to be extroverted which means they're probably much more likely <laughs> to gain their energy from being in a room full of people thinking uh, this yeah. is how we build camaraderie and this is how we get the energy going and the creative juices flowing whereas you know there's probably 60% of people in that room who are actually introverts going this is hell. I'm much more creative when I'm I'm on my own or I have quiet time to think. So just because it's your preference doesn't mean it's going to be everyone else's preference or indeed that that preference is going to help people to perform better. Uh, And also, you know, you mentioned servant leadership. That's basically based on empathic concern, which is what can I do to make your life easier? And if what you can do as a leader to make my life easier and my job more manageable is to enable me to work from home for X number of days a week um, for various reasons, then that is servant-led leadership equally. It might be better for me because of what's going on at home or my setup at home that, that it's better for me to come into an office or a co-working space. So yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it, that... For any leader out there, if you have defined your hybrid policy, you've probably done it wrong (laughs) because you probably need to ask people what they want and create that policy in collaboration with your team. Again, I think that where, you know, the vast majority of of businesses have been exposed, exposed is because they haven't thought about workplace culture or employee well-being or performance or productivity in a measurable way before. So they have no idea if people are more productive at home because they've not been measuring it. They have no idea if people are happy and healthy working from home because they've not been measuring it. So I think it's the same thing. And I think that's understandably why employees have got beef and going, well, why are you dragging me back into the office? I think I work really effectively at home. And he's going, well, I don't think you do. Was like, well, prove it. You know, the organizations that, if you know, if you're, if you as a leader have put in, you know, yeah, we have a complete flexible policy. You can work at home, you can go an office, whatever you want, totally up to you. No rules here. And you are measuring employee engagement and measuring using a predictive model, which means that you can measure how happy and healthy people are. You can measure how much discretionary effort is being put into their roles, how much they're going above and beyond. You're measuring how creative and innovative people are, your speed to market, how happy your customers are. If all of these things are being measured under an umbrella of a predictive model of engagement, and after six months of having that remote policy, you've got unhappier customers, you've got unhealthier staff, your productivity down, is down, your performance is down, your revenue down, then you, you have a business case to bring people back into the office. That's black and white. That's just for business reasons. We need to bring you back into the office. So yeah, I think that's that's the problem is that employees are quite rightly going, why? And business leaders are going, because. <laughs> and that's just not the adult to adult conversation that, that we need to create these environments that are going to be effective for anyone. I am quickly interrupting this phenomenal podcast to recommend another phenomenal podcast, Nudge. We love Nudge, hosted by Phil Agnew, a true gent. Anyway, listen to Nudge wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Okay, Lee, for the last one for number five, do you want to pick a number between one and fifteen?
0: Ooh, I'm gonna go fifteen because I have born on the fifteenth.
1: If you create values and you stick them on the wall, then you've got a great culture. <laughs> go. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Why? Why?
1: Why, because I just why, why would because you? what I like doing is getting a stick and just poking you and just going go on go on do it get
0: angry get angry. What 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 is a value? What can you Al? You're you're a marketing person. What is a value? Loose
1: definition. Loose definition. A value is something which uh, you believe in. Um, perhaps it's. Um, I'll give you an example of what I believe of like a company corporate value might be. Um, we are always looking for creative solutions that will help our customer
0: creative solutions that will help our customer how do you know if a solution is creative
1: oh good question uh because it's not been done before because it's interesting because you go oh that's clever
0: okay so if you go oh that's clever what are you reacting to
1: you're reacting to perhaps the idea the way it's implemented
0: that maybe somebody has given you or you've had oh, as part of that discussion oh,
1: yeah. or
0: you've had an environment where you felt comfortable as a team to ideate, to to suggest new things, to explore, to do some blue sky thinking as our corp talk is like. What is that? Their behaviors. Values are words. Values are empathy and meaningless unless they are brought to life through action and behavior and output. Um, so values on a wall is like having, it's like saying, "Oh, I'm a vegetarian because I've got a pumpkin in the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> We've all got a pumpkin in the fridge.
1: Is that a euphemism? <laughs> I
0: don't know. I don't a
1: pumpkin. I've got a pumpkin in the fridge. Um, I think it means that you've just fallen pregnant.
0: No, it's like having a gym membership and never going, isn't it? Just because yeah. you've got one doesn't mean you're a fitness freak. Just because you've got value doesn't mean that you have a good culture. True, true. Um, so yeah, it's values. Values does not a culture make. Behaviors make a culture. The other thing that makes me laugh about values is how many people seem to have. Like we've got 10 core values and it's like, cool. I've I worked for a company, favorite company I've worked for. I think they had 12. I could remember three. So I just rolled with them. Um, three is a good number.
1: It is a good number. And I think that it's also like um, priority. What are your priorities right now? Well, from what I understand is that semantically you can't have more than one priority. <laughs> you can you can have a priority and then a what's the word when you have like a cascading of priorities?
0: You'd be one of those wankers, wouldn't you, if you actually worked in a business? You're like, um, I believe we can't have multiple priorities. And if your manager was like, "Come on, team, we're going to give it 110," you'd be like, "I believe that's mathematically
1: impossible." Except I'd, I'd say it in a really nerdy voice. Um, excuse me, I think you'll find that you can't have more than a hundred percent. So I want to read you just a company mission statement and um, and I want to see if you can guess which company it is and then we'll just start ripping it apart a little bit. Okay. okay, you ready? Yeah. Our worldwide operations are aligned around a global strategy called the plan to win, which center on an exceptional customer experience. People, products, place, price and promotion.
0: Exceptional customer experience. Like that's all you needed.
1: That was the bit. I have a feeling that that Reginald in in strategy came up and went oh yeah we've got this hey, look look Arnold we've got this it's just exceptional customer service and he's gone oh, we've got space for 11 words here <laughs> go back and come come up with another six because it is yeah. bullshit isn't it any, yeah. any idea which company it is it's a massive one it's Amazon. Amazon no it's not oh I don't know who is it it's McDonald's
0: <laughs> sure and why this- McDonald's talk about exceptional customer experience? That's not why you go to McDonald's. You not like Do you know what? I really fancy going to Mackey's because you just can't get better service anywhere else.
1: No, it's just the way that they put it down on that plastic tray and give it to you. It just, it just feels like it's yeah. It's just you just have yeah. this really, yeah. You you know you've made it when you can afford yeah. a, a Big Mac meal absolutely well just to give them a little bit of defense they started their their mission statement by saying mcdonald's is brand mission is to be our fa- customers favorite place and way to eat and drink i didn't get rid of the drink but i think your customer, favorite
0: place to eat full stop.
1: companies yeah this is turning everyone.
0: into a bit of a masterclass in copywriting isn't it <laughs> between us with your marketing and my executive branding we're like you're getting all the words wrong this is you're a getting bit. it
1: wrong so mcdonald's if you're listening and you want to hire us, then uh, yeah, for a hundred thousand pounds, we will rewrite your mission statement. Anyway, the point I think where I feel like I've taken us off point here, and my point I think was that um, people think they sit down and they write five, they go to the go on this proverbial mountaintop um, that for a weekend, they'll write out their five core values, they'll come back, they will pay 600 pounds to get them stuck on the wall, and then they think, Great, we have now nailed corporate culture, we've now nailed our workplace culture, and then they're they're surprised when. Nobody either knows what they're talking about and nobody can recite even one.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I think there is, if you can't can't remember it, if you as the business leader can't remember it off the top of your head, it's probably too long. And certainly your people aren't going to remember that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Google started off and they don't use it anymore, but uh, do no evil, I think was there, was one of their, um, uh, their like kind of core values. In fact, I think it was their core value. Do no evil. I'm sure. or Not be, don't be evil. There was something like that. Now, obviously they, they very quietly got rid of that around about 10 years ago. When they we- started to do evil. <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> when they sort of track the shit, the ever loving shit out of whatever you do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we have ever <a> loving shit. <laughs> oh, but uh
1: but yeah so um so yeah don't be evil is a really cool mission statement
0: yeah that's I've, it. Got, I've actually done the opposite and i've 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 googled like some good short short succinct mission statements hit me would you like to hear some yes do you have you heard heard of wix
1: wix yeah like w i c o oh, w i x or w i c yes
0: Create your own professional web presence exactly the way you want.
1: And and to be fair, Wix does do that. They are pretty much the Walmart of website builders. Um, they're not very good, and they're quite expensive. And but the thing is, you're right. Wix won over what was that other really badly named one with the There was an advert on the UK TV with this German woman who was called Ionis or something. Um, but there's lots oh, of the yeah. similar ones like this. Um, and Wix have won. Wix have won. They, they are, I think, the biggest. GoDaddy might be slightly bigger, or go, go, GoDaddy might have bought Wix. But yeah, so you can see why they've ex- why they've excelled. They've grown because they've just gone right.
0: Create your own professional web presence exactly the way you want. There you go. Yeah, and I've got some others. I've got some others, nice succinct ones. Google's changed theirs. You said to organize the world's information and make it universal- universally accessible and useful.
1: See, I don't think you necessarily need to have that no. last bit. Just
0: Organize the world's information.
1: That's it. Amazon, <laughs> the rest rest biggest store.
0: Yeah. Oh, oh, this is a good one. Ted. Spread ideas.
1: Oh, this is TED Talks, isn't it? Yeah. Ted, yeah, obviously. Just amazing. Absolutely amazing. Ted, whatever they do, they are amazing. Spread ideas. And, and what's interesting is they're not they could have gone back and go, oh no, we only want to spread good ideas. No, good is subjective. Ooh. Good. What makes a good idea and bad idea? In 1939, a certain Austrian guy had what everyone thought was some very good ideas. Turned out not brilliant at all. So it's very subjective what, what good is. So that's interesting. Anyway, moving on. I'm not quite sure. I didn't know where we were going to go down that road when we started this podcast.
0: Yeah. One here from Starbucks. Uh, to inspire and nurture the human spirit, one person, one cup, and one neighbourhood at a time. I have, no, I have no real opinion on that. Again, it's a, it's a bit... I think again, you could stop after to inspire and nurture the human spirit or probably just to inspire the human spirit. Um, But I think what's interesting about Starbucks, and I think this is where people will have beef on against mission and values if there is this incongruence, and particularly if your marketing comms team has been pushing this for a number of years, to inspire and nurture the human spirit, yet that human spirit is being mandated back into the office. That human spirit is being paid less because they live in a place where that is socially acceptable for them to do so. It's this incongruence then that completely... just just makes it all very uncomfortable, very hypocritical, doubts of integrity in terms of leadership and that whole, yeah, one person, one cup, one neighbourhood at a time. Well, apparently it depends on the person, it depends on the neighbourhood, doesn't it, Starbucks?
1: Mm, Definitely. (laughs) Yes. So, congruence, integrity, authenticity. So, that makes perfect sense. Is there anything we've not covered, Lee?
0: No, I'm just getting lost now in people's mission statements.
1: Well, that's our afternoon.
0: Oh, Casper, well done. Casper Mattress. Oh, okay. Yeah. To awaken the potential of a
1: well-rested world. Oh, you see, now that's nice and everything. Oh, but what I'm worried is that then that's what someone's gone, this is clever, isn't it? Oh, we like that. Everyone goes, we like that one. That's brilliant because we've got two little um, euphemisms in there and they both relate to sleep. Oh, yes, we've got it. Anyway, so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think we're starting to tip more into maybe marketing and Perhaps. and sales now and, and product they necessarily culture but um anyway so, interesting so there you go that's something to ponder while you're on your sunbed how many values do you have and how long is your mission statement because if you have more than three and it's more than kind of what what are we saying six words yeah if it's a sentence with more than one clause in it it's probably too long
1: there you go yeah
0: no commas that's what we're saying <laughs> no oh i like it
1: <laughs> values not commas i like it right so let's I think we'll leave it there Ailey yeah yeah. yeah okay sure. so I hope you're having a fantastic August um and we'll be back with you next week um on the YouTube at the YouTube if you've seen Gavin Stacey you know what I'm talking about although that was a really bad impression so we're on YouTube uh, we'll be on LinkedIn and obviously you uh, will be coming into your ears um <laughs> on Spotify our American
0: listeners like what the hell talking about you've not seen any uh, British sitcoms then Al's trying to be funny he's not trying to be uh, what's the
1: word um, creepy creepy yes <laughs> well, this, in your ears. <laughs> this last bit hasn't gone that well so um, I'll leave it there say goodbye Lee bye Lee bye bye <laughs>